great exposure for yourself personally, your development as a person, and also for your family and your friends and community. But as a player, you, you cannot, you don't think like that. You cannot think of that because you have to be so driven. Because whether we like it or not, every sport the focus is on winning the ultimate competition. So if you're saying it's great to take back while you're playing, you won't be about that long. It's only you can only appreciate those things afterwards. And and I found it more so when when you finish sport is you get a more rounded view on life. And it's that's what it's all like. Sports only depends a small part of that, but it should be a key part of your life that you can look back on with fond memories and help you develop in other aspects of life, whatever direction you want to go. And I suppose really, you know, nowadays, I think you know, players are so there's a, there's a lot of requ- uh, a lot of commitment required from players at county level and indeed at, co- at sports at uh, club level as well. But you know, we, we see nowadays that uh, I suppose that the, there's the physical aspect, as in you know, doing the training and things like that. But there's also the mental health and well-being side of it, as in you know, and there, there's only kind of sections where, where that comes into play. I suppose like when you're injured, you know, when so when when you're dropped, uh, you know, especially if you're injured and you're out for a certain period of time, and then you know when you're when you're finished playing, I suppose it's not an easy decision to make. But sometimes you get to end your career on your ter- on your own terms. Sometimes it's it, it happens outside your uh, outside your country. You know, down that road in, in a minute. But you know that's where uh, you know when you're used so used to playing and you. And I, Messaging there yesterday, it's kind of what do we do when you're finished playing? You know, it's uh, it's very hard to fill that void when you're so used to playing and you've never replaced playing. But there is that's mental mental health part of it as well, isn't there? There is, of course, yeah. But that all comes down to the individual then and their view again on without getting too deep and their view on life and what they want out of life. If their sole focus has been sport, 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 whatever sport, with us hurling football or whatever amateur sport if that's your sole focus then that's a poor reflection on you while that can be your main focus you always have yeah. to have another outlook in life you have to look at your your work life you have to look at your relationship life with how you interact with people and, and what you want from work and how, how you want to develop and where you see yourself in two years time five years time ten years time now right now obviously you have to be focused on your if you're playing hurling you have to be focused on whatever competition again but again you have to look to broader aspect and if you do that retired isn't too bad because you actually realise you have a lot more time that you that you can utilise and more fulfilment in that aspect of life because sport is great you really enjoy it but it's very it's, it's more personal to you you get the enjoyment out it's not your family or your yeah. wife or your boyfriend or whatever it is it's all personal but when you retire you have more time to give back to those people who help and contribute to your success or whatever that's it and I suppose really you know when you're an underage player uh, we say in your case you know you have this target I, I, I love to play accounting I want to play for Limerick uh, you were very successful with Kamag and indeed with Limerick and of course like you say you know there's a certain route you have to go and I suppose you were very you got a, um, a scholarship in St. Coleman's College in Cork and you were there for your for your education but um, I suppose Dennis String was, was your coach I suppose with um, you know, in your time there, in your time in St. Coleman's College, um, you know, I suppose it was a, a very successful period and an essential part of your development as a player, but also as a person in St. Coleman's College. Would you agree with that? Yes, certainly. So I went, I went board in St. Coleman's College. I was there for six years, so I did transition here as well. 
development is important massively. So obviously you're same like going down to Felicale, you're I was exposed to people from a different county, a different way of life to a certain extent. They how they heard was a different side to the lyric, how they interacted with me was a different way, but it's great to be exposed to that. So I would have had Limerick, Cork and Waterford in school, so I was interacting with all the antibodies, I was interacting with all those people from different areas in the country, where we're all in one country, we're all in Ireland, all down in Munster, a small area, but the county is basically exposed to that, and that's just from a sporting perspective, but then uh, my own personal development then, having to interact with them and see what they want from life and see what I want from life and actually concentrating, say, playing sport, getting want to play sport 24 hours a day, but still realising I have to study within those 24 hours as well if I want to achieve what I want to achieve. And as, again, it's you, I, I definitely came out of the school more rounded than I went in. I learned, I developed, and I got a clear focus where I wanted to go. And I suppose when you're in St. Coleman's, did the boarding, uh, do you find that uh, being, a, being a boarder there, um, you know, staying in the college during the week that it, that it helped you uh, I suppose in a different way and you would have developed friendships with, with students both off the field and on the field how was that experience for you or how did you how did you find that end of uh, being in St. Coleman's College well excluding the first two weeks I found it excellent I was, uh, <laughs> I was ringing home <laughs> most nights crying on the phone telling my mother to come up and click me but she didn't she was close a few times coming up but she just said I'll stick out tonight stick out tonight you'll be fine in the morning and it was but again like as you said I developed friendships in first year and the second year in the school, and they're my best friends still to this day. I might talk to them every day of the week, I might talk to them for months, but still, if I pick up the phone, I know they'll answer the other side. If I need something to be done or if they want, they need help or I need help, I know they're the first people I, I call. And you can, like, those friendships are lifelong and they're a strong bond, and they're, they're irreplaceable to me, to be honest. And I suppose usually, if if you play colleges, uh, play colleges hurling, that that can play that usually plays a key part in getting onto the county panel. And like everyone knows, I suppose um, what what a great college St Coleman's is. And I suppose it's it's like St Kieran's in in Kilkenny to a certain extent. That you, you know, it's, it's like a hotbed for hurling, and uh, it's it's a great way of you know St Flannan's and Clare as well. Um, yeah, you know, a key. Do you find that that played a key part in you getting onto the onto the um, Limerick minor team? Well, it certainly helped. It did, it did help. So I was literally, I was playing hurling during the winter time when other lads would have been in school and maybe not playing hurling during. If they were playing hurling, they weren't playing to the same standard. So it definitely helped. So helped. So for people, if they're following any of the schools competitions, they follow the Dean Ryan, the sixteen and a half competition, and the Hartley Cup the 18 and a half competition now 19 but they follow those and they watch and you see every year there's teams from Cork and teams from are from Tipperary consistently in the semi-final and finals whereas now recently you also have Oracle Reach involved in that so in very successful follows when fans were very strong you could see that correlation to a couple of years later the Clare team being strong and similar enough when most are Coleman's are strong you could see with the Cork team to a certain extent and now most definitely you can see with the Clare team and the Lyric team because of our school reach the work they're putting in so by going to the school that not foot but is good and concentrates on hurling to a certain extent and they're getting to the finals they're winning finals that'll have a knock on effect for any county team that they're close to the school 
and of course as well as that it's uh, you know it's a my uh, of course get down to the minor team then was the main target but it's uh, you know it's uh, that, that's a great target because then you're not too far away then there's the under 21s and then there's the, the seniors but it, it was very um, you know we we see it on on the uh, on the documentary as well. You were you were on the Limerick senior team at a very young age as well. And uh, from what we've seen, you know you had a great belief in your heart in um, your your ability. And I think that's the key in succeeding as a hurler and uh, making it as a you know a count a county level as well. Yeah, when when everyone has when they're young, everyone has a belief they can do anything. And that's the sad thing about life is like the older you get, the more conscious and the more self-doubt would kind of occur to you like so I just have kids of my own now so my son my eldest is geez, six and a half young and like he goes out hurling playing soccer football does everything and the belief is unbelievable and it's great to see but for some reason as a society and a culture we just naturally erode that belief away oh you can't do this and you can't do that and why not that's always the question any kid says to you when you say you can't do that they all say why because to them they can do everything and that, that was like myself Growing up, I was no different. So I was, we're all kids, and you can always say, "Geez, I can do that. I can do that." You kind of get knocked back, knocked back. But that's so you just, just need to trust in the your own skill and your own work, your own work that you put in. Just say, "No, I actually, I, I can do it. I said I will do it, and I will do it." And of course, you, you know the the one person, uh, the one player on the pitch where there's usually a lot of pressure, and I suppose a win or a loss can can be triggered on it is. Uh, the free taker, you were you were a phenomenal free taker, you know, right up along un, uh, underage and you know in your club career and your county career, and even a certain sideline cut in a monster, I think it was an under twenty one final, and uh, you know, yeah, yeah, that's where you really do have to have belief in yourself, you know, when you're under pressure and uh, you know, ball has to go over the bar. It, uh, it's about holding your nerve and having belief in your ability and just take a responsibility and do the job. You know, knowing that you're responsible, you know, that, that you're able to do it, but not being cocky about it at the same time, you know, uh, not thinking that, oh, I'm, I'm a great man because I'm doing this. It's, uh, I suppose it's the pressure, but it's the pressure you were willing to have in your place Most of the time. I wouldn't say I was a phenomenal free taker now because I'd like to assess myself as well. I was, I was about above average free taker, so... I like to any pressure free I would have been taken an actual pressure free when we need a score I'd be happy to take that because as Moy says I'd be happy enough so I could I could deal with consequences of not if I missed it I could say that's okay whereas other people might be able to deal with that and they'd actually put too much doubt in themselves but would I, a phenomenal free taker no as above average free taker but again like free taking like it's a special responsibility on giving you and team and invariably from, you're not even the, cho- the choice of being a free taker when you're a young fella it's just oh you can eat the balls you take it and that's what it was for me but I could I just kind of developed it over time and I started to score from play so invariably I had a good strike of the ball at both sides so it was a natural progression going to free taking and, and then it kind of stuck with me throughout every up to 14, 16s all the way up to the senior so that's where how that's how you develop free taking whether or not I was phenomenal I, I'd argue that I wasn't but that's it, and I suppose really another one was the the dummy hand pass, a great skill that uh, that, that 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 stood to you in many a, a pressure game as well. Yeah, that's again that came from just one of the lads at home used to do it, but a bit more exaggerated than I, than I did. But it was very, it always worked for him. So I, 
I tried it. It worked for me as well. But um, see, yeah, it's a, it's a fine fine line between doing a dummy hand pass and then just being looking selfish. So, the case when you when you do like a sport sport runner looking for the ball and the defender knows you want to pass it and he's kind of going to commit to the pass, the intercept of the pass, and then it works. Then if if he doesn't buy the dummy pass, you, you will look a dummy. But and it worked for me more more than it didn't work. I think. That's it. And I suppose moving on now to the ultimate uh, for, for any player uh, making it on to the Limerick senior team. Just uh, go through and take us through your, uh, your your time with the Limerick senior hurlers. Oh, it was all too fleeting to be honest. Um, I started in I started in 2002. I came on as a sub in a qualifier match against Cork over in Turles. I don't think I touched the ball. Uh, that was 2002 then 2003 I was doing my leaving cert and Dave Keane was manager and I started I was corner forward for the match against Waterford that wasn't televised because they were doing renovations in Turles uh, did okay I was happy enough for my opening uh, got 1-1 won a penalty which Mark Foley scored we drew the match went to a replay the following week and I wasn't playing because I said I couldn't because I was doing my leaving cert that straight off so that was the start and then from there it was literally fairly down for the majority of my career till 2007 and I suppose, what were your thoughts, you know, that first day, the first day you ever played in Cork? You played, obviously, for St. Coleman's um, in Ireland College's finals, but to play, to play in Croke Park for the Limerick Senior Hurlers, how, how did that feel? Uh, I would say I was a good yeah. either. It's just another thing. As a player, it's just a match a match. You can't lot. While the stadium was fantastic, and it was just after being redeveloped, it's still just a feel. Like, you have to be that cynical and that crude about it. It's just a field. I played in fields with nicer surface, bigger fields, but it's the whole ambiance there that you can get you sucked in. And the key that you have to you, know, you just take it as a field. That's all you can do. And again, as I said about earlier on, it's about when you're retiring and you're finished and you're looking back and when I'm going up there now, watching Limerick, I find my son and my daughter asking me about, oh, Crow Park, that's fine. That's, it's, now you get nostalgic about the, the whole arena there. And uh, I suppose, really, moving, moving through your career, I suppose you, you've had a lot of unfortunate days and, uh, I suppose, you, you know, days with All-Ireland Finals that, that you would have lost. And, you know, sometimes people say, oh, isn't it great to be here? Or, you know, oh, but you gave them a game. But, you know, when you're a player and you put so much in for, into it uh, and you lose, it's kind of, well, that's not really good enough. It's it's second place is no place. But it, like you said earlier on, it's it's kind of... It's not until you finish playing that you kind of get more philosophical about it, but you still, when you're looking back and then you said, Genie, if only this had happened or if only we had done that, there's there's kind of that to it too, isn't there? Yeah, so like, I don't know how many clubs are in every county, but every club team, Saturday year, they expect to win the county. And similar enough to senior hurling teams in the county, so eight to ten teams expect to go out. Their ambition for the year is a good year's success is classed as winning the All-Ireland and sure that's not realistic so invariably in all sport every sports person wants to win everything but throughout everyone's sports they, w- they lose more than they win so you don't you don't realise that until you actually finish you lose more than you win so if you get one win in 5 years 10 years 15 years that's classed as a success but again it's like <laughs> yeah you can look back all you want but it's only when you retire that you realise that you cannot win everything and it's the take a part that actually matters and the friends you make and stuff and but again that's when you're retired you, you couldn't you daren't do that or say that as a intercounty player these days 
And I suppose though there, there are kind of positives from your career in that you would have uh, you, you'd have monster medals and you, you won a, a deserved All Star as well. And uh, you know you'd be saying like you know uh, it was great to win the All Star, but I would have loved to have a um, I would love to have had an All Ireland winners medal as well. But um, okay, it's still at least you have something from your from your. Um, from your intercounty career and indeed the colleges as well so that, that's kind of nice to look back on but uh, I suppose the, the ending with, with Limerick wouldn't have been what you would have wished for as in you know I think the, the Limerick County Board were kind of or the management were kind of making you out to you got phone calls and things like that very unfair like because I being a former player myself you kind of know that when, you know if things aren't going right that you feel you know players should have an input and maybe should be allowed to say maybe you know why don't we try this or that that could swing a game or maybe a positional switch or something like that or maybe have a different way of training but uh, that that was kind of unfair on you and you weren't the only one there was a couple of other people that were, were, were dropped off the panel quite unfairly I would have said yeah I think uh, something like I think it was 10 people dropped off at the time uh, which is fine that's a, a manager's choice it's like I like the manager is in charge, he picks who he wants. But the whole, I'm not going to rehash now, but the whole, at the time, kind of insinuating there was a discipline and rate and Say, no, what's the story of that? And she said, I didn't know this. That happened. And you're there saying, it's all fine. Make, pick your panel, no problem whatsoever. Standard room, just running things. When, yeah. when yeah. Defenders, that's, that's all. That's it. And uh, of course, uh, the one thing I suppose is when, when you are finished your, your, your county career, it, it's, you know, it, it's great to, to go back and play for the club. And, um, you know, you, you did well at club level as well. You won a county. Similar enough to Limerick, all the underage. So Limerick had 321 dollars in a row, and it didn't transpire onto senior level for us. But with the club, we won absolutely everything from under 12 up to 21s. I think we had some like five in a row, maybe, or even eight in nine years of minors, Premier minors, and it just didn't transpire onto senior. So 2010 was a big relief to actually get over the line, and I was lucky enough now to win three counties in a monster. So again, it was. It was not When Monster and Adam, what I felt was, it just didn't, just because you feel it's, it's possible actually making reality is a different story. That's it. And I suppose, looking back on your career, I suppose, who would, uh, who would you say would have been the toughest team? We say a college's level and then a county level and a club level, and maybe we say your toughest opponent that, that you would have had playing against you. I suppose... <laughs> Jackie Terrell wouldn't be too far uh, too, too far down the mix there when it comes to toughest opponents. Uh, I suppose so, yeah. Um, toughest opponent, I'm going to be selfish and pick my own county man, Damien Rail. He, like, I think he was nominated for some like three or four All-Stars when Limerick weren't going well. He was nominated for that and he never got one. Even though I felt he, he should have got one, but he was always 
the toughest I life out to mark a train. Rare, fortunately enough, I didn't match, mark him that much because he was number two I, and I wasn't marking number four training. But like, the thing, the hardest thing I, I always found to mark in the cornerback is a fella that can actually hurl. So he actually, does, he's not waiting for you to react. He reacts first and he goes to the ball and that's what Rayler always did. And, uh, like, they're always, the, I found him the toughest one to mark, yeah. <laughs> and I suppose really then away from it I suppose in the personal life you're married and, and have kids and that's lovely to have that person there that you can talk to about things but I suppose then there's the side where um, you went in for a check up about something your your, your sister said uh, you know she lost something and you went in for a check up and uh, it, was, it must have been a tough time of uh, part of your life with, uh, with the MS uh, with the MS diagnosis um, but um, your outlook on that was um, well, was fantastic. It, it was uh, a very inspiring outlook that you had on it. Ah, sure had to be. So that came about. Yeah. I went in for into the hospital to get checks yeah. at the exact same time I was dropped for Limerick. So I was dealing with this whole personal issue, the life-changing issue, and then I was hearing about this, reading about this in the papers. and So that was tough at the time because, as I said, what to... But the purported that we were dropped for was actually false and inaccurate. But then it pays in insignificant sport, just takes a back, a back, goes on the back burner, it doesn't matter. So, yeah, it's just a tough time, yeah. But again, I like it's family support, and that's exactly what you come back to your family, your friends, and they're there to help you. And fortunately, I have been looking up to, well, I'm dealing with it okay, I, I feel so far, and so that's all you can do. There's no point, there's no point being down yourself, being negative, and kind of dare I say trying to go into a bit of depression when you're thinking about it too much which is only natural but there's no point you have to remain positive and positive or I don't know you have to like there's only way to look yeah. at outlook in life because life is cruel in certain extent but it's just a matter of taking a positive on every, every obstacle that faces you and I suppose as well as that to be, to be fair I suppose saying it to, to other people that might have MS out there as well it, it's kind of there, there has been great advances in treatments and medication for it as well um, I suppose some of them which, which you've uh, benefited from as well yeah of course technology is always advancing and like you could be walking past person in the street who looks perfectly fine you wouldn't be aware of what condition they may be suffering from but again just hold it the joy of of science is constantly evolving and just constantly looking for new advances in in medication to help you to alleviate any issues you have and similarly there's illnesses that are evolving too that might appear in five, ten years side that we don't know about and they, they could have a drastic effect on someone so all you can do is go by the guidance of whatever the medical doctors and support team you have suggest you and go with what the scientific trials indicate and but certain things are out of your, your control and if you're worried about them you're doing yourself a disservice I think and uh, we touched on earlier earlier on with regards to um, I suppose what do you do when you're when you're finished uh, when you finish playing as well and uh, I suppose for yourself I think it was a natural a couple of your uh, players that you would have played with and against would have said that maybe uh, coaching and management would have been uh, the ideal thing for you because you, you had the experience from underage with your club in colleges and then 
playing up along with Limerick as well. So you, you have you have a lot of experience and a, a lot of skills and different things that you could. Uh, uh, your way of giving back, I suppose, to clubs or whoever you, you coach as well. And uh, you you um, you started you went back and started coaching with a, a local side, a junior club as well, which was I suppose great great for yourself and. Uh, that probably helped you mentally as well after after retiring from playing Harlan. Um, it was it was it was another way of staying involved in sport, wasn't it? Yeah, I think the lads Lucy and Mossy only said that on TV because they, they wouldn't say that to my face, but they'd be all nice to me on TV. Yeah, this is a natural progression. I I didn't realise it, but when I was talking to Emer and I saw what she said about it as well that I was always going to get involved with the team. That's the next step, and I just love the camaraderie between teammates in any team and especially the J the way they're, they're all amateurs and they're, they're, it's, it's phenomenal the effort so we can't drink this time this time of the year for the four months five months and they're, they're amateurs but they, 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 they put up with that and they they commit to that and you have only I've seen how I develop these players and whatever team I'm with it's, it's not about Honest to God, now even though it's kind of funny saying that coming from me that everything I did I wanted to win, but if I take a team and I'm training a team, I want to success for me would be deemed as seen that I improved that team for that year, or the two years, or three years, or however long I'm with that team. Have I actually come in and made a difference? Have they improved? Yeah. And are they enjoying it? And if they say yes, then that's that for me is deemed a success. And but invariably, if I find if you're training a team and they're enjoying the training and they're coming to train excited and keen for training invariably the results will follow and you'll find they probably will win what they're trying to do and we say looking forward now um, I, I, I presume you, you want to continue on coaching and uh, maybe maybe one day do you see yourself maybe uh, you know post uh, John Kiley maybe helping him out or being, uh, being involved as a selector or something with, with the Limerick Hurlers Defence forces. I was in Lebanon for a period of time, so I didn't feel it was right to coach anyone this year. Coming back halfway during the season is not right. So if you're doing these things, you have to fully commit. And like for me to do something, my next whatever, if I do and when I do take over my next team, I have to have the support of my family first and foremost, my wife, my three kids, soon to be four. So I have to support them. That Eber says, yeah, we can do this. It's practical. You can develop this team, whatever. Um, yeah, I'd love to just give John Kyle a ring. Yeah, say, I give you a hand there, John. <laughs> but uh, it's not not straightforward. That if um, if someone sees I might be of benefit to any structure, I I do it in a heartbeat. But again, time will have to be right between my family, myself personally, my work, and the team. Could I benefit the team, and do they feel I would be in addition to any structure? Uh, whether that's again selector, coach, manager, I'm easy going. And I suppose, like you know, there is. I think in life you have to have that difference. We say you know between sport and and your personal life, you have to have that uh, work life balance uh, or sports life balance as well. And um, you know the the key thing you know that that strikes me from from watching the documentary was the great support that you got from your your wife Femer and the and the kids as well. Um, you, you know they were they're always there for you, Stephen Lucy as well, and and all the other lads. That that's that's great. To, that's great to have as well, isn't it? 
Of course, I think the executive will be paid for it. Especially DJ and her. So when you do retire, like, I would talk. We tweak much. I would be. We are talk <coughs> we're talking about 20, 20 40 minutes just natural. Same way, lads. I would contact, but. When you meet them, you're there for them. If you hear any bad stories about them, you automatically go to see are they okay? Is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything I can do for your wife? <coughs> that's a natural thing. So that's a great thing about my my team is. And similar enough with Emer, like she's uh, like people say, I'm a strong character individual. Individually, I'm a strong character, and I'd like to think I am to a certain extent. But again, I can't be as strong as I am without the support of Emer, and she's an absolutely star. So I literally look after myself, and I bring the kids to school when I can I bring the lads training I do go out hurling do everything out on the lawn but Ema runs the household she runs the family and it's that's a different type of type of scenario and yeah. she is absolutely superb behind every good man there's a good woman isn't that it that's for sure <laughs> that's it so I suppose really looking lo- looking back overall between the hurling uh, between like you know, hurling memories and uh, per, in your personal life. What what are the the, the biggest mem- the the greatest memories that you have, or that that you that you really like to look back on? Ooh, interesting question. I'm ready for that now. So, personal Sorry. life. <laughs> no, no, you're going to personal life. Obviously, meeting Emer, getting married to Emer, and everything that entailed with that. And obviously, my kids arriving and seeing them develop. What they've developed so far, they're still only six, four, and two. And with a, a baby in the way in September, touch God, God, God willing. Congratulations. But, um, <laughs> thank you. but see, all, all those is obviously they're the, your major milestones from a personal point of view. Sporting point of view, ah, I don't have the big All Ireland wins or the Munster title wins, but I, it, it always comes back to your club for me. And just uh, the biggest one for me would be the, the first county title in 2010 when like, we hadn't won the county since 90. 94, which is a long period of time for us as a, a club. So 2010 was good, and then watch them win another two then, and watch them win last year as well. Those, those are special memories, yeah. That's it. Well, listen, thanks very much for taking the time out to do the in- interview with us, and uh, hopefully we will talk to you again very soon. And uh, the best of luck with the, the baby, and I hope everything goes well, well for the future, and we'll, we'll keep in touch. Perfect. No problem. No problem. Thanks very much. And that was Andrew Shockensee, former uh, Limerick Hurler. Okay, I'm absolutely delighted to have the new manager of Buccaneers Rugby Club on the line. That's former Irish international manager, Eddie O'Sullivan. Eddie, listen, thanks a million for coming on the show. It's absolutely brilliant to talk to you. No problem. Yeah, happy to do it. First of all, Eddie, welcome back to Athlone and Buccaneers Rugby Club. How did the move come about? Um, The club approached me uh, probably a couple of weeks ago and... uh, told me they were looking for a coach so uh, I um, I was interested I don't live too far away I think most people would know I live over in uh, North East Galway in, in uh, Moylock and um, you know I've, I, I drive past the Buccaneers uh, an awful lot on my way to Dublin <laughs> I always look in and think back to the, the, the time I was there before so yeah it wasn't too far away um, and uh, I'm, I'm, I spent the last year talking about uh, rugby and uh, I miss actually coaching rugby so I'm delighted that the opportunity arose and uh, looking forward to getting the grass under my feet again and, and doing a bit of coaching You've obviously coached at an elite level on the international stage over the years why the decision to get back into the EIL? Well it was just the opportunity to present itself you know um, I did a lot of punditry work and um, uh, over the last few years but I, I really 
found I missed the coaching, you know. Um, I've always loved being on the grass. And, you know, the Buccaneers Club was a great club. I, my last, the last time I was at the club, had a fantastic time. Really enjoyed myself. It's 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 a rural club of fantastic uh, supporters. Um, and the chance to go back and work again with the club, like, was, was hard to turn down, you know. As it, it, it suits me great. As I said, it's, it's very close to where I live. Uh, it's from 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 the information I got talking to the club as part of the process, they were quite a young team, uh, very ambitious to get back to, to the to the top division, and um, that that appealed to me. You know, a young team that that's ambitious and wants to work hard. I mean, that's it's going to be very enjoyable for me as a coach. Have you had a chance to talk to the squad yet? No, I haven't yet. No, I haven't had a chance. That's um, we'll be starting our preseason uh, in the next couple of weeks. I think we're slated for the fifth of July for preseason. And uh, we'll be talking uh, on our own that time, and we we'll get everybody together and, and have a chat. So we haven't, I haven't spoken to everybody. I've spoken to senior players and and some of the some of the coaching staff as well. So I'm, I'm going through the process of, of getting organised. Um, I mean, this has only uh, been formalised in the last few days, so I'm I'm busy already trying to get everything uh, set up. What kind of research did you do on the team? What did you know about the team, and how did you get on last season? Did you look over their previous season or maybe some of their performances before you decided to take the plunge? Well, no, I, I didn't. I, I basically knew they got promoted because I kept an eye on the club over the years, even though I wasn't involved, you know. Um, and I spoke to to, to uh, some of the executive on the club uh, and asked them what, you know, what, what they said the club was and what did they want to achieve. And it was all very positive. And I, I talked to, to, to a couple of other friends I know who are, who are strong in the club and yeah it was all very positive I said a young team were very ambitious they were really happy to get promoted last year they worked very hard to get it done and they were really wanted to to move upwards and onwards and to me like that's that's music to my ears because I, I certainly want to, to coach a group of motivated players you know and um and say the, the fact the team's got a young profile as well is a, is a big help um so yeah they were the kind of things I looked at um but I, I know Buccaneers has been uh, a club that's worked very hard over the years, they've had a great work ethic. That's just on and off the field, and also it's a very well structured club. Um, so there's a lot of lot of good stuff going on, and and that's what attracted me more than anything. I'm just curious. I kind of have to ask this question. I know you're absolutely all in on Buccaneers, but you've been out of the provincial and international loop for a little bit. Is this an opportunity for you to to get back on the provincial ladder? No, I don't think so. Uh, I don't ever see myself in a job in Ireland again above club level. Um, uh, that's that's. I don't believe that'll ever happen again for me. Um, so I, I'm just happy to to be back coaching. It's the one thing I've always enjoyed. It's the one thing I've missed um, over the last few years. Uh, so for me, it's just about uh, doing what I love the most. Absolutely. You'll not only be coaching the seniors, but the juniors and the under-20s too. Can you take us through the thought process behind coaching all three teams? Well, I, I I I need to say that I won't be responsible for the number twenties um, because uh, I think we, we've got to get um, the, the senior squad um, uh, pretty much organised at the start, and I think the under twenties have their own structure to work from. But I will be coaching the first and the seconds together. But that's I think what's been going on in the club anyway uh, since last season. I think the merge both first and second squads. I think is a very efficient way of doing things. And uh, the coaches who coached the second team last year, uh, uh, Paul Byrne and, uh, and Benny Gilligan, they'll still be heavily involved the seconds and hopefully involved the first as well. So we're integrating both squads. I think it's the most efficient way to do it. But that had happened already. But that's what I would want to do anyway. So um, 
yeah, it's, I think it's about keeping everybody on the same page and it keeps people motivated in the squad. Uh, so, you know, that, that will continue as is. What can fans expect to see from playing philosophy perspective from the team? Well, um, looking at the team, I, I think we're going up a division. It's going to be more physical. We're going to need bigger, bigger packs of forwards. Um, my profile on the team, and I need to do a bit more work on this uh, in detail, but we're not a particularly big side. So, you know, we'll have to be light on our feet and we'll have to be prepared to, to move the ball around. So I, I think we'll be trying to move the ball as much as possible as a team. That will depend on lots of factors, but I think that's the broad philosophy would be to, to, uh, to run and gun a good bit. Will you be looking to implement that philosophy throughout the whole club from the youths up or is it just a work with the material you have kind of mentality? Well, my responsibility really is for the, for the first and second so that's where the starting point is and I'll be you know, obviously trying to get ourselves up and running as soon as possible in the pre-season and uh, getting ready for the, the first round of the All-Ireland League uh, in, uh, in October. Have you finalised your backroom team yet? Who will be stepping onto the sideline with you? No, that's not that's not um, not finalised yet. A lot of it, as I said, uh, Paul Byrne and uh, Billy Gilligan um, are already involved. I've spoken to them. Um, very much hoping they'll stay involved, but I'd like to get them involved more. But that's really about you know the, their ability to commit to time, um, and also you know I I, I have to uh, kind of see where that goes in terms of how much what other, other help I need. But it's that's in process at the moment, but it's far from completed. Uh, we have been working as well on other backroom staff, like in, in, in the medical and, and the strength and conditioning, but all that's still in process at the moment. I'm hoping to get that across the line in the next, uh, I suppose, the next uh, five or six days. What's your opinion on the standard of AIL Division 1B? It's pretty good. Um, I, 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 um, I coached a few years ago in, up in uh, Old Belvedere, um, and that was Division 1B as well. It's a tough league. A lot of teams have ambition in their teams to want to go back up to Division 1. And teams that if they come down, they you know they, they don't they, they they tend to come down having you know had a tough year in Division One. So it's it's in Division One A. So it's it's a tough league, Division One B, because I said you a lot of ambitious teams. Teams want to go up, and and you know Buccaneers are no different. But um, I think that for next season, the most important thing is having that promoted. Um, that is to consolidate and make sure at the end of next season where. We're, we're, we've had a strong year in, in, in Division 1B. Anton Ward, that would be bonus stuff for the first year. But um, let's see what happens. You know, we, We'll go out and make sure that we give every game is going to be a game we want to go after. What areas do you think you'll need to improve for next season? I know you've only been here a short while, but have you identified the weaknesses in the team that you'll have to work on? Oh, yeah, well, there's no question we're going to be working hard. Um, no matter whatever team are, you're always going to work hard because it can get better. Um, I, I, you know, I want to bring my own put my own stamp on this team, uh, as any coach would want to do. Uh, I want to put my stamp on how we play the game, uh, whether that's an attack or defence. And also, I want to make the whole team more skillful. Again, that's the whole point of being a coach. Uh, and then we'll we'll we'll, um, we'll play based on our skill set, and as our skill sets develop, we can develop our game along with that. The majority of the team are very very young. Will you be taking that into account when you draw up your coaching plan next season, or? Is age relevant to you? Well, of course it's relevant because you know, you know, you you, you can only um, you can only ask players to do what they can do. But uh, hopefully, over time, as our skill sets improve, we can put more demand. But you also got to remember that you know the best game that you'll ever get is from the opposition. They'll always tell you the best place to attack because you can find your weaknesses. That's what coaching is about. 
it's about getting, making players more skillful and then when it comes to playing games, getting the best strategy together to, to win the game. Will you be looking to recruit experience into the squad ahead of the season? No, not particularly. I think it's a very strong squad there at the moment. Uh, there's no real urgency around recruitment. I think it's the, the squad that, that got promoted is, is, is in a good position. Um, that's not finalised yet, but I still have to do a little more a deeper dive through the squad, particularly when I, when I get the coaching, coaching team set up. We'd have to do a deep dive through the squad. But from what I, I understand... There's no major urgency about uh, any major recruitment. Although, you know, like every club, there's recruitment every year of some description. But um, I think that's that's always a priority, but it's, it's not the major priority for us. The major priority for us now is getting organised uh, and getting ready to for the pre-season and then kicking on to the season. This year's under-20s went unbeaten, albeit in the JP Flanagan Division 3 league. They won the under-20s cup as well. So there's a lot of talent in the younger age groups to pick from that area of the club. Is that something that excites you with regards to moulding the team over the next two years? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the you know, the, the underage structure is crucial to a club because if these players are coming through the 20 system or, 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 or the age grades before that, and then they're, they're coming into the senior squad, it's going to push the standard up. So it goes without saying. But uh, having, a, you know, having a strong bedrock of an underage programme in the club is always going to be a long-term strategy in, in sustaining the club. And, Buccaneers have done a great job in that area. There's a number of young academy players in the club as well who are doing really well. Obviously, Niall Murray has gone on to represent Connacht a number of times over the last two years. His younger brother, Dara, is seen as a, as a big prospect. That's just a name to... How do you plan on integrating the academy players? Because obviously, they'll be moving between club and province over the coming season, as it is with all clubs. Have you... Have you talked to Connick yet about how you're going to be using the, those players? Well, that those discussions are on hold because at the moment we're not a, we don't know what the the, the structure of the uh, of the the fixture list for the academy players will be next year. So, you know, we're waiting to get those details, and then once we know how all those players are going to be used by Connick next year, we can start looking at how we will integrate them. But uh, that at the moment is is kind of on hold until we get further information from the branch. Okay, um, what is the target for next season? Is promotion achievable? Well, you never know if you start, but the the, the, the for next season you've got to be realistic. Having gone up a division, you know, it's going to be uh, uh, a different standard to aim for. Um, so I think the realistic is that. We consolidate in, in, in Division 1B next year. Um, if we get further than that, if we made the playoffs or anything, that will be bonus stuff. So we've got to be realistic about it, um, as I said. And plus the fact that uh, I'm a new coach to the club, uh, I've got to set up my stall as well. So, you know, that's all part of it. But I think realistically we've got to consolidate next year um, and then see where we go from there. Is that all part of the process with dealing with our coaching, a young uh, team? You've nearly got a lessen the expectation of pushing for higher honours and sort of sacrificing that with regards for the greater good of maybe letting the guys gain the experience needed to, to develop as a team? Well, no, we won't be sacrificing anything. Like, we're going in next year with the ambition of trying to win every game, as is every other team in the league. Sure. But you're asking me what the realistic ambition is, I would say, to consolidate. But... Um, you know, you go out and try and win every game, and if you get on a run, you don't know where that ends. But you only play it one game at a time. You know, I, I'm not sitting out saying that we don't want to get into the playoffs or we don't want to get promoted next year. <laughs> we get into the playoffs, we'll take it. And if we get promoted, we'd certainly take it. But, you know, the key for us is not to be focusing on that stuff. Yeah. The key for us to focus 
on winning as many games as we can and see where that gets us. Um, but the yeah, overall ambition is that, you know, we, we take next year and we build on what happened last year, the promotion, and make sure at the end of next season we're right there still in 1B. And I said, if anything more happens, and don't believe, don't get me wrong, believe me, we will play as hard as we can in every game. There'll be no sacrifice right. for anything. But uh, we'll see what we get. But I want to make sure that um, it's a solid season next year. And if it turns into more than a solid season, then, then so be it. But, you know, but to get to put yourself in those positions, you've got to go try and win every game. Yeah. Will we win every game? I don't know. Um, that remains to be seen. But, uh, you know, there's no lack of ambition in the club to get where we want to go. But, you know, I think you've just got to be sensible and, 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 and set, your, set your sights at a realistic target of making sure we're in Division 1B next year and have a very strong season again. And if we go further on that, um, and who knows, uh, so be it. Absolutely. Listen, that's good to hear. And I'm sure all the fans will be excited to see the, the team push on next year. And it's good to know the ambition is there as well. Listen, Eddie, thanks a million for coming on the show. Look, great to talk to you. And look, hopefully we'll get the chance to catch up with you over the next uh, few weeks as the season ramps up. Thanks a million for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks again. Hello and you're very welcome to uh, you're very welcome back to Friday Sport with myself Aidan Rafferty and as always the show is kindly sponsored by Best Try we'd like to thank them very much for their kind sponsorship of of the show and uh, next up it is time for J Chat and on the line we have uh, Ray Lannan from uh, former Roscommon goalkeeper on the line to take us through all the important uh, all the important stories of the week hello Ray how are you are you well all good, Aidan. Thanks very much. Great to have you on board again. And uh, yeah, I suppose re- really the the, the first uh, the first item on the agenda, as they say in the meeting, is um, I suppose the, the the something that we've been uh, we, we we've been mentioning over the last couple of weeks, or indeed the last couple of months, or maybe even the season. Um, stepping down, um, Anthony Cunningham stepping down as manager of Roscommon Football. Um, I suppose it it was kind of inevitable, maybe even. Se- uh, more so after the league, but I suppose, yeah, it, it was like the flip of a switch, wasn't it? Really, like they played really well in the league, and then it was like in the championship. Then it was like the blinkers were on. Now they did, they did obviously win the the Connacht semi final, but I suppose to an extent they weren't really at the races against Galway, and then um, you know whatever went, whatever went wrong. I suppose decision making, uh, different different things. They, things just didn't go right for for uh, Roscommon and, and Crow Park against. Uh, Claire, so what are your thoughts on on uh, the on that? And uh, I suppose you know that, that there's one uh, there's one rumor in the in the pot there already. Jean Bohan, the the current um, the current Dublin Ladies Senior Football Manager, uh, he he'd be good for Scammon as well. But uh, what are your thoughts on all that? Yes, Aidan. Well, first of all, I'd like to say uh, that Anthony Cunningham deserves great credit for his achievements of Roscommon winning the Connacht Championship in 2019 which nobody expected and also winning Division 2 this year which is a great result against Galway and Crow Park however Aidan every manager no matter what sport and what era has a, has a life cycle has a, an, has, a, has a time has a turn has a, a, a period at the wheel if you like and it, it's like a lot of organisations uh, this was a juncture and a time for Roscommon to make a change and I do agree and I I have to admire it, Anthony Cunningham, because for me, even that's the mood of, amongst the mo- most of the supporters in the county is that Roscommon needed a new ch- a new voice, needed a change of direction, and needed a new manager. And I think it's a good thing that Anthony has stepped down in an amicable manner by mutual consent. And uh, it, it's it's time now for a change. And the big question uh, now arises: who's going to be the next manager? Mick Bohan, Aidan, 
is, is a good candidate. There's no question about that. He um, has all the credentials. He's been with Dublin senior team under Jim Gavin in the early days. And a big emphasis on skill sets and advancing the skill levels of teams and bringing them to the next level. And that, that, that was Jim Gavin philosophy as well. He was with Jim Gavin for a couple of years or more. And he had a great record with Dublin ladies as well. You see women's football ladies and ladies football, how strong it's got and how impressive Dublin were over the years until Mead stole their mantle. Now, Mick Bohan would be a good choice yet because he's a new voice. He's no connection to a salmon as far as I know. He also had time with the management of Clare. Um, he's got Clare connections. So he's got ample experience at that level and I think he'd be, he'd be a good appointment. I think people are talking about Pat Flanagan as well, but I would not go with Pat Flanagan. I think Roscommon needs a new, new voice and, a, and, and a lot of the Roscommon team is backbone by the Pauling Pierce's teammates. Yeah. And I just think you need a new manager who's going to be dealing with all the players on a fresh button. And Pat Flanagan wouldn't be. It'd be he's got a lot of experience with Pierce's over the last few years and I just feel he wouldn't be the appropriate candidate for Roscommon. And I would hope that Roscommon will, will uh, go outside the, the, if you like, the, the Pat Flanagan etc. Maybe even Liam Kerman go outside that. He's with Clan uh, and, and go for a fresh appointment. I said it in the show a few weeks ago. My personal choice would be go to Mickey Morden, ask him to do a couple of years. I know he's, he says he's retired, but he's, he was managing Kilku in, in March, in February of this year, 2022, the All-Ireland Club title. And he, he's a great record, Aidan, of bringing teams forward, bringing teams on. He did it in Sligo, he did it in Donegal, he brought Mayo to an All-Ireland final where no one thought they would. Okay, they got beat by, by Kerry, but that's nothing strange for a Mio team to lose in all Ireland final. But I, I, I think he's an excellent manager, Aidan. And again, skill test is very important. And uh, I think he's got a great football IQ, as has Mick Bohan. And they're the two people I would like to see managing Roscommon if we're going for the outside. Now, technically, Dan mm. Connellan is an outside manager as well. He's been out of the county club scene for a long time. He's got a great record in Galway winning with Mike Cullen. And Don, he'd be as good as anybody. He'd be deserved a ch- chance, Aidan. He's been with NUIG. He'd bring a good back. But Here's the thing for management is we've seen it this year with Corey Joyce and with with um, uh, Jack O'Connor. It's not so much the manager, but who he brings along with them. Yeah, and Paddy Talley did a big job with them with, with Kerry in the, organising the defence. Everybody says Keon O'Neill, his imprint was all over the Galway team. He's better number two than a number one, but Keon O'Neill brought that goal. Galway are a better team this year than they have been over the last couple of years. Yet far better structured. Their defence very strong. Bodies back in defence. And uh, it's an area that Roscommon uh, are very weak in at the moment, unfortunately, is the defence. But coming back in, the point you made earlier on, the Galway and Clare matches, compare that with the Galway League final. Roscommon yeah. showed, showed far too much respect to Galway and Clare in the championship. And I, I keep talking about the psychological aspects of the game. Yet, mm. It cannot be overlooked or understated. Roscommon, in my opinion, showed far too much um, respect to Clare in the first half particularly by defending deep, not pressing the kick-out. To an average clear team, let's face it, Derry demolished them in 20 minutes. And we could have done that if we had gone after them. But we didn't go after them until the second half. And we got 10 or 11 points without reply. We got into a good position. And then we got the game stolen from us, which can happen. Yeah. You have to look at the game management side of things as well. Like when you're five points up in the All-Ireland, take chance for an All-Ireland quarterfinal, just flood the back line. Flood the back line. Make sure nobody, nobody gets a goal or a handy penalty. And we didn't do that. And we didn't press their kick out the first half. And these are even uh, coaching principles that should be in every manager's playbook. The and basics. Someone fell down on both in big games, in the clear game. Yeah. And against Galway, 
we, we, we were far too loose in defence. Noelle Healy, the analyst on RT at Sunday game, I remember the night listening to her, she says, we're scoring defence was only shadow on the Galway forwards. They yeah. weren't tackling them. They weren't live, They weren't getting physical in. You need to get it in their faces, Ray, don't you? Like, I mean, this, this thing, uh, you, you know... Whatever it is about Roscommon in the championship, they looked like a team full of fear, yeah. and they were they didn't play with that never say die fearlessness that they played with in 2019 and 2020. I don't know why that was, mm. but the performance in Galway was was average at best. But I mean, when you look at when you when you look at them, I mean. You know, they did well against Galway twice in the league, uh, you know, in the last round of the, the group stages of the league and then in the in the, uh, in the the league final. Like, why not more of the same? Why not bring that performance and that style of play into the championship? Like, was it a case that maybe because it was championship they were kind of, they were um, maybe doing their game or planning their game around, like, you know... Put, try and stop. Try and stop Shane Walsh, or like where they maybe over focus on trying to stop him, but also Damien Comer as well, you know, and Paul Conroy in midfield. You know, I mean, they were playing in the league final. So why? What was the difference between the league final and the cha- playing them in the championship? Aidan, I, I listened to the comments. Some of the, you know, I listened to some of the comments before the game, and um, it was talking about our team. You know, there was talk about the opposition all the time. Mm. It's something I don't like in, in, in publicly. Talk about Robbie Fielder, talk about Jamie Cobb, talk about Shane Watch. Uh, and, and they're the three players that actually made hay that they brought. Yeah. Technically, they, they destroyed our defence. And we never made, we, we weren't able to cope with them. Mm. But Aidan, you, you can give your team a hang up about opposition players if you keep talking about them. This is my opinion. I know it's yeah. not a panacea for all ill. But Aidan, there's a limited amount of talk you should about the opposition, have about the opposition. You should say, yes, the opposition are there to be respected. They wear the maroon and white jersey, but they have no rights over Satan. We have every right to go and play football. We have every right to go and attack them and let them think about us and let them play our game. Let's bring the game to them. And when the game was, was, when we we had lost the game against Galway, technically we were eight or nine points down, whatever, we Mm. brought on Andrew Glennon. We brought on uh, a, a long ball philosophy. And it caused Galway mayhem. We scored two four in the last what fifteen minutes, you know. And even even at that Aiden, we didn't introduce that tactic into the clear match. Mm. We didn't see that that worked. And if you look at the top teams this year, Aiden, Galway and, and Kerry, they have used the long direct ball into a target man. Yeah. What happened last year with Tyrone, Carl McShane, long direct quick ball into a target man. We're scoring a ample target man. The Panthers Lennon, the Hubert Darcy, the Keith Doyle. And we did. We underutilized those players this year. Direct so, ball into the into the likes of those players would be ideal. I said to you before. I yeah. Look, I would put Andrew Glennon full forward. I'd have Dearman Bertha, and we bring him back here to Lennon. Like there's Kieran Lennon not involved this year as well. Fergal Lennon mm. in the back as well has the back. Yeah, I'd be mixing the game up. It. You don't play long ball with him, short ball mm. with him. You mix it. You play the right ball. Kerry do that. See the way Kerry mm. play. They test the goal his full back line in the first few minutes. David Clifford then won a few great marks. So they, 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 they saw the weakness in the Galway team. Mm. Galway had always had a weakness in their full back line. Armagh exposed it. We never challenged it until when the corner final was over. And then we, it was like, the game is over, let's kick the ball in long. And we've got two, two, three or two, four. It's just beggars belief how, how yeah. we didn't see that in. And the goalkeeper as well. I mean, he was, uh, you know, vulnerable at times. We saw that. We saw that in, Arma, in the Armagh game. 
you know, and and, yeah. the, and in the All Ireland final against Kerry as well, some of the decision making, the dodgy ball. The do, uh, I don't like criticizing keepers because we were we were keepers ourselves. But isn't it true though? Like I mean, we were um, you know his decision making against Kerry and the, the high ball against um, against Armagh. Those were the two things that we could have exposed. Uh, maybe I know that they they didn't happen until afterwards. But I think they're kind of things that maybe is it fair to say that he always had. Who had uh, the Galway goalkeeper? Ah, yeah, the Galway goalkeeper was very unsure. That's, there's no question about it. And, and you said I don't like saying that about a fellow keeper, but he was very unsure. He didn't look like a goalie, a Gaelic goalkeeper at all. He didn't mm. seem to have a have a, just the way he ran out for the ball. He didn't see his timing was all out. He didn't seem to have any footballing skills. That's my own view on it. Yeah, the way he brought down those guys twice, he should have got black carded. Yeah, like he should have been off the field. There's no question about it. Galway were got a very bad decision against him towards the end when when. Um, John Daly was penalised, but the goalie should have been off. There's no question. And your, your goalie needs to be a footballer. Like, and I come back to us. Come on, it's a Callan Lavin. had a great year for us, Callan this year. Mm. And um, I think, I think, Aidan, um, you, you need a manager that's going to come in that has a lot of experience in the game, tactically very astute, um, with a good backroom team as well. You know, and it's very hard to get a good backroom team. But your backroom team is nearly as important as your manager. And uh, there's not too many out there. But Mick Bowen, I'd say, is a man that will bring a lot of expertise with him. He's a very good, a great belief in him. I had a good belief in Mickey Morton and I had a good time for Don Cannell and the manager. Look at what he's achieved there. His record speaks to himself, I think. Um, but I think it'll probably come down between Mick Bohan and Pat Flanagan. And I hope it's Mick Bohan because I do think Pat Flanagan, whilst he's done a great job at Parry Pierce's Aiden, he's just too close to so many of those common squads, you know, and they need a new, they need a new voice, Aiden. The seven or eight Pierce's players who are very good players, they backbone those common squad. And I just think that bringing in a manager who would manage them at club level, I just don't think that will work now. I think we need to go outside and bring, out somebody, bring in somebody fresh. And, uh, yeah, Mick Bohan would be a great choice in. And I suppose, really, when, when, when you look at it as well, uh, you, you know, obviously the appointment of, um, you, you know, the Mayo are looking for a manager as well. And you see, obviously, Kevin McStay being a former, uh, a former Mayo player as well. But uh, you know he's uh, he's the front runner at the moment. Now that's not obviously a guarantee that he's going to get it. But I mean he has also lined up a quality uh, a quality backroom staff as well. Very impressive uh, selectors and backroom staff. So uh, you know maybe that's something that we need to do as well. And that but you know with with, with a ba- uh, manager and a backroom st- team like that, this could be Mayo back to, back to the way they used to be. Ah, uh, well, Kevin McStay is a great manager. Like, he was a yeah. manager for us coming. You know, he did well. Look, he won a great Connacht final. He won the All-Ireland with St. Bridget. So, it was a great, he was a great um, manager. Um, it's just it was a difficult start, you know, himself and Fergie together. It just didn't work out at the start. And, but, but, like, oh, like nobody's talking about Fergie O'Donnell yet. Yeah. As a manager. Yeah. Like, Fer, uh, Fergie O'Donnell should be there as well in the list. Like, he's, he's outside of the loop of those players for a long time now, you know. Yeah. Um, there's not too many Western Gales players in the squad now, if any. You know, so mm. like, there's no reason why Fergal Allen couldn't be in the mix if Mick Bohan isn't going to go for it. You know, and you know, wouldn't wouldn't Fergal Donald be, be a very good manager? And he's got a great backroom team that he's always had, and I'm sure he'd be bringing more new fresh faces with him. And I mean, when when you look at his track record, he won an All Ireland with the Miners. He won a he won a Connacht title with Roscommon in 2010. Um, joint manager with. Uh, with, with, with Kevin McStay as well so I, 